Welcome to the Connect Your Health to Life coaching podcast. I'm your host, Seth Lusk. I'm a master certified self-image coach and empowered health coach with a decade-long background working in the health and wellness industry. If you're anything like me or the clients that I work with, then you're probably struggling with body image, self-image, or confidence issues. You're probably also trying to figure out why it is that you have these amazing desires for living your healthiest and most fulfilling life, but you can't seem to create consistent actions in your life to reflect those desires. So join me as we dive in deep on what it means to live a fulfilled and authentic life. We're going to look from the perspective of an empowered mindset and uncover reasons why you might be what's holding yourself back from living your most fulfilling life. I'm going to break through some of the biggest illusions and myths that we've all been taught to believe along the way. And I'm so excited to have you with me on this journey. So my only question for you is, are you ready to start living your most authentic and fulfilling life once and for all? Then let's get started, shall we? Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. For those of you listening in for the first time, welcome, welcome. You picked um, a fascinating topic to join in on. I know I say that every week, but this week we do truly have a fascinating topic again. I think it's because I only pick fascinating topics. Maybe that's just me, but I, I think that's that's the case. So we are getting close to the one year anniversary of the Connect Your Health to Life coaching podcast. That is next week. Next week, I've got a little bit of a different kind of episode coming for you all for the one year anniversary. Um, and for this week, I wanted to pick a powerful topic. I wanted to pick a topic that a lot of people have interest in. And so I did some polling. I did some question asking. I went to the Googles and I checked for topics that people are very interested in finding help with in the self-help realm. And one that really stood out to me is the topic that I'm going to talk about today, and it's the topic of focus. And what I have to say today about focus is that basically we've been going about this the wrong way for a long time when it comes to focus. There is... um, a brilliant man out now, he actually has a book called Indistractable. I recommend reading it if you have not read it yet. His name is Nir Ayel, and I've heard him on several podcasts. I've read his book, um, and he has a very interesting insight into the topic of focus, and it very much aligns with my views about our focus and attention, and why so many people today seem to be getting diagnosed with attention disorders, attention deficit disorders, um, struggling with being able to focus and concentrate and work, and why so many people are reaching out for help with this. And I want to talk about that today. And if you've been following me on my social media, you know that I mentioned in my, my real video on, what was it, Tuesday? It was yesterday. I did um, my real video where I talked to you all about the fact that if you are someone that feels like you are struggling with focus and attention, with being able to take your brain and put it to a, to a task that is important to you and get it to pay attention to that task for as long as it is that you plan to pay attention to that task. So many people are, are talking about the fact that they're struggling with it these days. And it's not because people all of a sudden have messed up brains or that somehow, you know, technology is ruining all of us, even though a lot of us say that. Um, and so that's what I want to I talk about today. 
and how the majority of people are sort of going about this by saying, I need more focus. I need to improve my attention. And what I want to say here is that focus is a powerful tool, but we're overlooking an important aspect of being able to use focus as a tool. And when we skip over this part, having more focus actually does more harm to us than good, especially when our goal is that we want to be able to use our brain as a tool to create more movement in planning and doing the things that we plan with all of our attention and all of our focus. So let's start off by defining the word focus. Um, Focus is basically the center of interest or of activity. And in this case, we're talking about the center of interest or activity when it comes to our brain or what we are doing. And a lot of times we talk about focus like it is something that we either have or we don't have or that we can lose. But here's the thing. Focus is an active intention. It's not a possession. Okay? So it's something that we can create. But... Before we begin to focus on, or focus on focus, before we look at focus and how to create more of focus, I want to look at something else here. Because there, like I said, there's a growing demand for material out there for people asking for help with focus, wanting to perform better at work or even in their hobbies or maybe a sport or building their business. And I think that this focus on focus is indicative of a huge social issue that we have. And it's also misleading people. I think that many times when people say that they're struggling with focus, what they're really struggling with is direction, clarity, emotional intelligence. And these put together can appear as if it's a focus problem. But these things actually create the focus problem. I believe what people are really looking for here is a term that Nir Ayel uses called traction and how to solve for its opposite, which is distraction. The opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. And we're going to talk about that more, um, about these two terms a little bit later. So why is it that so many people today seem to be struggling with creating focus, attention, and traction in the current times? And I've got a few, I've got quite a few reasons why here. So I'm going to list some of those for you, and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about this idea of traction versus distraction. And at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about focus and the tool and the tool that it is and how we can use it once we understand traction versus distraction and what all that means and what it brings to our life. So some of the reasons why people I think are are struggling so much with what they're calling a lack of focus or a lack of attention is, here, here are some of the reasons. One is a lack of awareness of their purpose and knowing what is authentically important to them in life and why. And what I mean by that is that we are constantly inundating ourselves with even distracting ourselves to our true purpose because we're constantly comparing our lives to other people's lives and what they're doing and what people think about what they're doing and what we think people might be thinking about what we're doing. And so there is a, a huge lack of awareness in so many people out there of what their authentic and true purpose and why is in life. And this creates the second reason why I think 
we struggle so much with what we think is focus and attention, and it's a lack of vision. It's a lack of knowing what our mission is in life and why it is our mission, how it is driven by our purpose. Another reason why I think people are struggling with this is that there is a lot of anxious thinking. And this involves a lot of thinking in which we project ourselves into future stories of possible scenarios that could occur and obsessing over possible outcomes and how to control them. And this pulls us from being able to be present enough in the moment to be doing the work at hand with our full capacity, with our full intention, with our full purpose. So that is another huge reason why. Another reason why is planning from a place of inauthenticity. And what I mean by that is this comes from not understanding our purpose. I'm talking about people planning things in their calendar that are not genuine once for them and don't align with their mission or purpose in life. And so they're basically just going through life with this giant to-do list, It's and it's coming from their expectations that they think other people expect from them. And so this creates a, what feels like a huge lack of focus or motivation or attention um, or traction. Um, another reason why I think people are struggling with this now is that there are a large number of objects, ideas, and notifications readily available within our field of attention or notice. And we're, we're going to call these external triggers. And they're so readily available now. They're everywhere. It's like you don't even, you actually don't even have to go farther than looking in your own pocket at your phone. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how what we've begun to do is start to blame these as being distractions. These devices, these dings, these pings, these notifications, the emails, the, all of that. We're blaming those as being distractions and it's not serving us in our quest to understand distraction and how to move to a life of more traction and use focus as the tool for what it's there for. So another reason why people are struggling these days with this, I think, is there's this belief that multitasking is even possible. And on top of that, that it's productive or even an admirable way to perform. And what I want to say is this is to total crap. Multitasking is not a thing. The brain is not designed for it, especially not when the task at hand requires quality of attention from us effort and effort and production. So multitasking is not a thing. All we're doing is stealing energy from the brain to make it switch back and forth between tasks. And we'll talk about that a little bit later too. So another reason why I think people are struggling with what they feel is their attention, their focus, is that there is, there is a lot of poor health out there from a lack of a nutritionally balanced diet or from eating too much or too frequently. And what I mean by this is our brain needs a lot of energy to create attention and focus. And this means that proper nutrition is key. But what I mean by that is not just the foods that we eat need to be foods that support a healthy brain. We also need to consider the body as an entire system. And the mind is using energy from this entire system. So we need to take care of the entire system and we need to understand how the entire system works together and also bring into focus the fact that digestion needs to be factored in when we talk about attention and focus. Um, and then another part of this is gut health. The gut is literally our second brain. And so many of us are out there popping, 
you know, painkillers, which are destroying our gut health, antibiotics, which are destroying our gut health, um, alcohol, which is destroying our gut health, gluten, sugar, all of these processed foods that are destroying our gut health. And we're not even thinking about the effect that the impact that that has on our our brain's health and our brain's ability to be able to to work optimally. But it does. It has a huge impact. So another reason why I see people struggling with focus, with attention, with traction is there is a, a general lack of physical activity. And physical activity is important to our brain's ability to focus and create traction in life. So this needs to be accounted for as well. Another reason why people are struggling is, and this is a huge one, a huge one. So I see so many of my clients and and friends struggle with this one. And I know we want to overlook it and think, oh yeah, yeah, I'll I'll get to that later once I'm successful or once I'm making enough money um, or once I have time for that. It's poor quality of sleep or poor quantity of sleep. I want to I want to emphasize this and I'm going to say this one time and I'm going to leave it here and I know you're probably going to ignore me but I hope some of you listen. Sleep is not just important to our mental health. It is critically necessary for our mental health and physical health. Let me say that again. It is critically necessary. It's not just a bonus on top. Literally every aspect of your mental and physical health is built upon the quality and quantity of your sleep. So if you are not getting quality and quantity of sleep, that is going to need to be your primary focus until you figure out how to get that. And for a lot of you, that's going to mean going and looking at emotional and mental triggers that are are pulling you into anxious and depressed thinking when you want to be sleeping and are keeping you awake at night. Solving for that emotional trauma pain and, and figuring out what it is that's keeping you from being able to slip into a mindset of rest and deep sleep when we go to sleep at night. So my friends, that is so critically important. And I know that we want to keep thinking we can overlook at it and deal with it later, but I promise you, it has to be dealt with first. And in order to deal with it, we're going to have to look at our emotional trauma, our emotional pain. And we're going to talk about that a whole lot more here in a bit and how this actually also causes us to struggle with what we think is focus and attention. Okay, so that brings me to the next thing, the next reason why so many people seem to be struggling with focus, attention, and traction in life. And it is this. We are trying to escape discomfort. And like I said, we're going to talk about that quite a bit here a little bit later in the episode. But you might be surprised to find out that the majority of our issue with distraction, with a lack of focus, actually has to do with our desire to escape emotional discomfort and our misunderstanding of it. All right, so another reason why people are struggling with this these days is comparison to others. And I talked about this just a minute ago. So many of us are on social media, watching television, watching Netflix, watching the news, and just so busy out there comparing our lives and our journeys to other people's lives and journeys. And it's putting us in a place where we are unable to put our focus onto something that creates traction in our life, that creates movement towards what we want to create. And at the same time, because of the how available this data input is to us, 
it's also just way too much for our brains to process all at once. We are not, our brain is not designed to be factoring in so many different opinions and pieces of information at one time when we're trying to make decisions about our own lives and what our true and authentic wants are. At some point, we have to be able to, to decide what is right for us and realize that some people, they're not going to like it and that is okay. So... These are some of the big reasons why I see people struggling with what they think is a lack of focus and attention. Which brings me to what I want to talk about. The main thing that I want to talk about in this episode, and it is this. Focus is not our problem. Sure, focus is something that we want to work on, but focus is something that can easily be solved with mental exercise. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, But the bigger problem, the bigger underlying issue that we are facing as as a society today is distraction. And I know you're like, but that's the opposite of focus. It is not. It's the opposite of traction. Distraction is the opposite of traction. And I want you to pay attention to First of all, the words distraction and traction come from the same Latin root word that basically means to pull. And both words contain the word action. So I want to be clear here in starting off and saying this. Distraction is not something that happens to us. Distraction is a choice of action. But it is actions that we take that pull us away from our intended purpose our intended goals, our intended wants. And traction are actions that pull us toward those things. So both of them, distraction and traction, are a pulling action, a choice that we make. It's just that one brings us closer to life purpose and goals, and one pulls us further away. And I want to be clear about this as well. No thing out there is a distraction. We take action that creates distraction, but no thing is a distraction that distracts us. And the reason why is because every one of us has a unique path of wants and goals in life. So what I use as a distraction in my life could actually be traction in another person's life. So the thing is not a distraction. I am using it for the purpose of creating distraction. And that makes a huge difference to see. Because when we see it as the thing is a distraction, we put ourselves into a victim mentality by choosing to see things as being distractions for us. Things that make us distracted. We see the thing is doing something to us, and we give our power away to the thing versus seeing our power to decide the way in which we interact with the things, and if we make it a distraction in our life or not. So let me give you an example here. Let's talk about Netflix or television. I like to watch certain shows on Netflix. So is Netflix a distraction or not? Some people would say yes, and some people would say no. So who's right? The answer is both, because it depends. So if I know that I like watching Netflix, if I know that one of my genuine desires in life, one of my values is entertainment, 
Let's just say that, for example. It's not really one of my core values, but let's just say it is. And I know that I want X amount of hours per week spent for entertainment. And I see Netflix as being one source of entertainment. So I schedule time in my week with those certain number of hours that I've dedicated to just entertainment and just sitting and watching a show on Netflix. So then guess what? Watching Netflix becomes traction in that instance. It's actually bringing me closer to aligning with my values and goals in life. Now, of course, if I have other goals in life that I want to accomplish, I will want to factor those in and how much time do I want to spend on this versus that. This is all important to factor in. And this is why knowing our life purpose, knowing our true values, knowing our priorities in life is so crucial to being able to show up in your life unstoppably. And I know a lot of you keep wanting to overlook that or keep thinking, oh, yeah, 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 I know my life purpose. I'm going to call bullcrap on a lot of that because I, I know so many people that come to me for coaching that say, yeah, yeah, I know my life purpose or whatever. And I put them through an exercise and it turns out there's a lot more there that they haven't been paying attention to. And this is why they feel so misaligned in their life. They feel so distracted. So what I want to, to say with this example here is that the thing is not a distraction. Now, let's say, let's take, go back to that example of Netflix. If I have something in my schedule as a goal that I plan for a certain number of hours to spend on it for this week, and say I go to sit down and be in that planned time to work on this specific goal, we'll say um, creating my podcast because I do that every week. So say I sit down to record the podcast. And I start to feel anxious or unmotivated or I feel uncomfortable about the recording. And I decide, mm, I think entertainment would feel more comfortable here. So I go and I watch Netflix instead. Then guess what? Netflix has now become something that I'm using, choosing to use as distraction. Or if I were to sit down to watch Netflix and say I plan to watch it for one hour and then move on to something else that I planned. But when the, the one hour ends... I just continue to sit and watch Netflix longer than planned. In these cases, Netflix has now become something that I'm using as a distraction. But Netflix is, itself is neither attraction or distraction. It's how I choose to use it based on me understanding what my true desires, goals, and planned actions are and whether or not I'm using it as a way to follow through with that or to pull me away from following through with that. So you can see in both situations here that Netflix in and of itself is not a distraction or traction. It's my choice of how I choose to act with Netflix that makes it distraction or attraction in my life. Distraction is an active choice. I need you to begin to see that and stop telling yourself the lie that things distract you, that distraction happens to you. You are keeping yourself blind to what is actually creating the distraction. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. What is actually creating the desire for the distraction? Because you're like, well, obviously I don't want to be distracted. Okay. That is true. Most of us know that on a conscious level, but there are reasons why we choose distraction. So if you truly want to solve for distraction in our life, we're going to want to take an honest look at our stories of victimhood about distraction first. How we talk about it with others and ourselves. And we can start 
by breaking apart the story of victimhood, by seeing that distraction is a very active process or choice. It's not something that happens to us because of something around us. No things around you are a distraction. No things around you are actually traction. So that is the first step that we want to look at here, is letting go of that story of victimhood, where we see distractions as things out there that happen to us, that make us distracted. And then we move into some other steps to overcome distraction in our life. But I often see people wanting to go about this process kind of backwards, thinking that somehow they're going to hack the system and make externally visible changes faster and somehow get ahead and then go back and complete the beginning steps of creating a life of less distraction later, after they've created the the physical uh, external quote-unquote success. And what I want to say about this is quite simple. Just like I have said with every other struggle on this podcast that we've talked about, this approach doesn't work. It never has, and it never will. You cannot skip over the internal first steps of understanding and healing and skip straight to external change. And the same applies here with distraction. Because any change you will make, if you just start it with the external change without the understanding and the healing of the underlying cause, it's not real change. It's merely an illusion of change that you are grasping onto it before you go back to the old habits again. So if we try to skip this part of the process, then the actions we are taking are to avoid discomfort. And Nirael brings up a really interesting point here. We always kind of look like from the, the pain model, the, from the psychological pain model. We look at life as being two things. Either we're seeking pleasure or we're trying to avoid pain. But the truth of the matter is, in all of these instances, what we're truly doing is we're seeking to avoid pain. We're seeking to avoid discomfort. And I know that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people to see, but that is the truth of the matter. And if we're not clear about our discomfort and what we're trying to escape, then what ends up happening is we unintentionally are creating distraction in our life. Well, not unintentionally. We're we're doing it subconsciously, and then we feel out of control. We feel distracted, and we feel like we have no control over it. So what I want to get clear about here is that the first step to helping with distraction is to understand, and Nirael says this, time management is pain management. And I don't mean pain management by like, you know, drinking pain away. I mean understanding how to create coping mechanisms that are healthy for us, that create traction in our life. Versus distraction in the way that we cope with our pain. So when I give you the structure of how we go about creating a life of less distraction, then I want you to recognize that you're going to have this urge to skip and jump to the steps towards the end where you produce behavioral and circumstantial changes first. I want you to see that urge, and I want you to promise yourself not to fall into that illusion this time. If you look back, I'm sure you can see that you've proven it to yourself time and time again that this doesn't work. So this time, I want you to make a promise to yourself that you're not going to skip these steps, and we're going to start with first things first, okay? So the first step we want to take when we're wanting to overcome distraction is we want to learn to understand and explore our internal pain our internal triggers that lead to distraction. And I'm talking about things in our self-talk. 
our beliefs about the world, our beliefs about our self-worth, our beliefs about how we are perceived by others, our beliefs about our limitations and our shortcomings, our beliefs about time and how to manage it, our beliefs about shoulds and coulds, our beliefs about what we're in danger of and what is threatening our worth and our well-being, and where we are avoiding certain emotions that we deem as uncomfortable to experience. And questioning, why is it that we believe that these emotions are too uncomfortable to experience? Why are we avoiding them? This is where we want to look first. This is where overcoming distraction starts. It doesn't start with turning off your phone. It doesn't start with buying some filter for your phone or your computer that that cuts out notifications. It doesn't start there. It doesn't start with closing yourself in your office and locking the door and telling people not to distract you. It doesn't start there. These are all techniques we can use later. It starts with first understanding our desire to avoid discomfort and where it comes from and why we're doing it and what our particular discomforts are that we're trying to avoid and how we are using that avoidance to create distraction in our life. The next thing we're going to want to do after that is to start scheduling time for traction. But in order to do that, we have a precursor, something that needs to be available to us. And that's having a clear vision of our purpose and our why in life. You see, when we want to make time for traction, what we're wanting to do is schedule time doing things that bring us closer to what we truly want in life. But in order to do that, guess what we need to be clear on? what it is that we're truly here to accomplish in life and what we want. So having a clear vision of our purpose, having a clear vision of our values and what's important to us, what we're sensitive to in life, what we're wanting to create more of in this world, having a clear view of our mission statement in life. What is our mission in life? Knowing that allows us to schedule time for traction because traction is time that we spend pulling us closer to these things. We cannot do this if we have not taken the first step of knowing these things, of knowing what our genuine goals are and wants in life and why we want them, separate of other people's opinions. I see people wanting to skip straight to scheduling all the time. And like like somehow scheduling things is going to reveal their life purpose to them. And I see people not wanting to take the time to understand what their true wants are in life, what their true values are in life, what they're, true, what they're truly sensitive to in life and wanting to create more of, and why they want them. And typically what this leads to is a schedule full of shoulds. I should be doing this. I should be doing this thing over here that would quote unquote be good for me to do. And this is usually because someone else told them about how good it would be for them to do it or why they should want to be doing it. Or maybe it's because they saw someone do this and get a lot of praise and attention. And they think that if they do it too, that they will somehow feel more worthy and feel more like they're worthy of attention and success and love in life. And so they go about scheduling these things into their to-do list. But the thing is, these the things that they're scheduling are not aligned with their true wants, their true values in life. So these are not traction. 
So remember when I gave the example about how Netflix can either be traction or distraction? It is your use of it that decides that. So guess what? Scheduling what you should do turns scheduling into distraction. Your schedule can actually become a device of distraction, even if you follow it to the T. And this is why you don't want to skip steps here. You don't want to skip straight to scheduling without first becoming aware of emotional pain triggers and why they are there. And you don't want to skip the step of being aware of your deeper purpose in life and why you want to accomplish what you want to accomplish in life. Because when you skip this, everything that you schedule is actually pulling you away from that. And therefore, your schedule is becoming a a device of distraction that you are using as distraction. And this is because you're scheduling stuff that creates distraction from knowing what you really want in life and knowing how you're going to create it. I see this happen over and over in people's lives. They create these long to-do lists and never seem to be able to get them done. And when we look at them together, most of the items on the to-do list, they don't know why they're doing them or how they help them accomplish anything that they truly want or value in life. They just know that they should be doing it or I have to do it. And this is because they don't actually know what they truly want or value in life. So everything on their list becomes distraction. It's distraction. It's pulling them away from their true purpose and values and goals in life. And this is why it becomes so difficult after a period of time to be checking things off of the list. You see, distraction is a choice to escape the mental discomfort of traction. A lot of times we receive this dopamine hit when we act in distraction. The brain wants to reward you for moving away from discomfort because remember, the brain only wants to keep you alive and safe and it feels like anything uncomfortable or uncertain is going to kill you. That's how our brain is biologically designed to work. And so to the brain, distraction means less uncertainty, less danger, less risk. Because you're not trying to grow. You're not trying to understand. You're not trying to go deeper. You're not trying to evolve. You're just trying to stay the same and get by. So distraction to the brain, it wants to reward you for that. Which is why it almost feels like it's a bit addictive to some of us. But as with all dopamine-driven activities, it has a diminishing returns effect. So eventually you need more and more of it to have the same effect. And this happens with the list checking off too. You eventually lose the reward for checking things off of the list. It becomes less intense for you. So you need more and more of it to feel the same reward. But guess what? There are only so many hours in the day. So do you see where this begins to become problematic when we become these to-do list checkers and we have no idea about what our true purpose is in life? We know nothing about our emotional trigger points and the things that we're trying to avoid in life, why it is that we won't see what it is that we truly want in our goals in life because of what we're afraid of because we won't look at those fears. We won't look at those discomforts and understand them and stop judging them as being bad and wrong. Because when we understand them, we can use them as tools of traction and focus. So once we have our purpose defined, then we can begin scheduling time for traction. 
because we will be scheduling things that are genuine wants for us, or things that get us closer to those genuine wants in life, pull us towards aligning with our purpose. And then, and then what we can do is we can start choosing to become aware of external triggers and reduce sources of distraction from external triggers. And here's what I mean by that. Because remember, I want to, I want to specify here again, the things are not the distraction. But we live in a world full of dings and pings and rings and notifications. And there are things in the environment around us that are signals that basically wake us up and say, here's a moment to make the decision, traction or distraction. Every time your phone dings, it's simply a reminder that you have the choice to decide traction or distraction in this moment. That's all those things are. But the world right now is so full of them. They are everywhere. So if we're not aware of what distraction is, where it comes from, that it comes from us trying to avoid emotional discomfort and being unaware of our true purpose and values in life and our goals in life, then when these signals come up, it's very easy for us to choose distraction without even realizing it. So once we've we've gone through the process of understanding all of that, the, the purpose, the emotional triggers, the emotional pain, how we're going to heal our emotional wounds, how we're going to show up for those, how we're going to understand them when they do come up, how we're not going to let them use us, we're going to use them as tools of traction and of focus, then we can start to look at these external triggers, these external sort of environmental notifications, and we can start to reduce the sources of them in our lives during times when we're scheduling traction. And we can also begin to understand how our internal emotional state and self-talk is actually using these external notifications as ways to create distraction. So we're talking about like notifications on your phone, emails, people interrupting while you're working and you getting involved in a conversation where you actually plan something else, family, friends, children interrupting during times of traction. Um, external triggers are basically just anything outside of us that signals us to either take action in traction or distraction. Phone calls that occur when you have something else planned to do. A ding on your phone in the middle of a task. These can be signals of traction or distraction. And what I mean by that is when that phone call comes, if you just let it ring and go away, that was the choice of traction. If you answer the phone, that's the choice of distraction. So these are, are what I'm talking about when I'm saying once we've dealt with the internal, we can start looking at the external triggers, the external reminders, the external sort of um, stimulus that kind of perks our brain to be like, oh, wait, do we want to make the decision to traction or distraction at this moment? We have those all around us, but we don't want to look at those first. We look at those after we've taken a look at the internal. And after we've done this, then what we can do is start doing things like making agreements with ourselves to prevent distraction. Um, Nirael talks about three different, he calls them pacts, like agreements we can make with ourselves. So they can be money agreements, um, uh, effort agreements, or self-image agreements. And what this means is things like, so say for instance, um, Every time I sit down to record my podcast, if I stop to go check my phone, I have to put um, one franc in a jar. So I'm losing money. 
um, that that can be like an agreement that I make with myself. And I don't want to have to put a franc in the jar. I don't want to lose that money. And that when I put that franc in the jar, it goes to, say, my husband. Or it goes to, I don't know, say I have to just give it to something that I don't really want to give it to. And it's my spending money. So I'm losing money there. And that's something I don't want to happen. So it's sort of incentive that I give myself to stay in traction. Now, I don't actually do that with myself, but that's just an example of something I could do. Um, One thing I do is, for instance, setting the internet connection in the house to shut off at a certain time. And this would be what Nirael would call um, an effort pact. So basically, you know, once that Wi-Fi turns off, sure, I could go turn it back on, but that takes a lot of effort for me to go in the room and turn it back on and wait for it to all connect just for me to, I don't know, continue doing something on my phone or do something on my laptop. So it's kind of like a reminder to me, hey, you you chose that at this time, it's time for traction. There's no more internet connection. You want to do this instead. Say I want to read or say I want to have cuddle time with my husband or something like that. I, rem- I am reminding myself by the Wi-Fi turning off, this is what you agreed to do at this time. So now you have the option to choose traction. We've removed the external trigger of, of internet being available to you. One less thing that you can use is distraction. Go do what you intended to do at this time, traction. So these are like agreements that we can make with ourselves um, to, to kind of incentivize us to stay in traction or to follow the action of traction. All right, so we've talked about traction versus distraction and how understanding these is fundamental before we look at focus. And here's the reason why. You might be wondering, so why is focus not necessarily the goal if we're wanting to aim for, um, you know, feeling more focused in our lives? Why is it that we want to aim for first is traction? And then we can look at focus. And it's because this. Focus is simply where we allow our attention to become centered. When the center of that attention is something that we want it to be, this is great. When the center of attention becomes something we do not want it to be, then we feel unable to accomplish tasks that we want to accomplish. So now focus can actually become a tool of distraction. But there's another layer to this. We can also focus on urges that feel like something we want, but that are distraction from genuine wants in life. So focus without purpose can actually become quite dangerous and quickly take us in a direction of distraction when we want to be heading towards traction. And this is again where understanding genuine values, sensitivities, life purpose help us to know where we want to generate traction in our lives and where we want to use our focus as a tool. And this is why if we truly want to begin making changes of how we manage our time and focus to bring us closer to traction, or to be creating more traction in our lives, then we don't want to begin with behavioral level change. But once we have mastered the internal, the emotional causes of our lack of focus and distraction, then we can begin to address the physical aspects of focus. And here are some of the physical aspects of focus. Timing. There are certain times of the day in which our brains will be more effective at creating focused attention. And some people's brains 
it's better in the afternoon or evening. My husband, for instance, he has these magical hours between about like three and six o'clock in which his brain is just like hyper alert and focused. For me, it's late morning, usually around like 9, 30, 10 o'clock until about one or two in the afternoon. Those are my hours of major focus. So understanding those is helpful. But also here's another aspect of timing. After eating a large meal is not one of those times, even if it's during one of the times of peak focus for your brain naturally. And this is because, and I talked about this earlier, our digestive system takes a lot of energy from our energy pool. And our brain has to focus on the process of digestion, which means that it pulls from the energy that it needs to create deep focus and attention. So timing is important there. But there's another aspect of time that we, we also need to understand, and it's the aspect of attention fatigue. And this is why it's also important to know what is valuable to us and important to us. Because the truth of the matter is, our brain can only be in a state of, of focus and attention for so long before it, it's, it's an organ. It's going to run out of energy. That's just part of our body. Now, we can, we can train the brain to be able to do this for longer and longer periods of time, and I'm going to talk a little bit later about how to do that, but we have to understand that our brain has a limitation to how, how long it can hold that focus, it can hold that attention, and this needs to be factored in when we talk about the timing of focus and attention, because if we don't understand what's important to us, and we, we're expending all of our attention and focus energy on things that aren't so important, then when we go to do the things that are super important to us, our brain is fatigued. The attention fatigue is there. And the brain's going to try and convince you to not focus because it wants to conserve energy. All right, so another thing that we can look at, um, another physical aspect of focus is health. So I talked about this earlier. The brain is mostly made of fat. So we want to look at nutrition, so when we know the, th that nutrition affects the structure of the brain and how the brain functions, we want to make sure that we have adequate amounts of healthy fats in our diet. So omega-3 fatty acids are, are what I'm talking about here. These are so important to brain health and structure. Eating foods like um, salmon, avocado, walnuts, um, olive oil, uh, chia seeds, flax seeds, all of these provide healthy fats that are important for brain health. Another thing is looking at antioxidants, um, such as ones found in blueberries, dark chocolate, also in avocados. These, um, these have antioxidants that have been shown to preserve the brain's health. Um, and when I talk about dark chocolate, I'm talking about 75% or higher in its cacao um, content, so not below 75%. So another aspect of focus that we want to pay attention to so we've got the timing, we've got the nutrition, or the physical health of the brain. And also, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this again. I'm going to throw it in here again. Sleep. Sleep is essential for your brain's health. Stop thinking you can overlook that. You cannot overlook that. You are not special. Every human being needs sleep for the brain to function. Period. There is no comma after that. That is a period. Okay, so moving on. Another aspect of the, the physical side of focus is transitioning. So this is one surprising area in which I learned um, focus and attention can be either maintained or lost. And it's in the periods between tasks. 
So if this area is not paid attention to in these transition periods, these can become areas in which we lose focus and start to create distraction in our lives versus traction. So what I mean by that is if, say, I planned an hour to sit down and record my podcast, and then after that, I'm going to work on writing a book. I've already finished one book. Maybe I decide to write another one, which I will be. So say I plan an hour to sit down and write on my new book. And in between, in this little transition period in between, say um, my phone goes off. It would be very easy for me during that transition period to get sucked into my phone and allow me to use it as um, distraction and then use my mental energy and focus up on that task of looking at my phone and looking at the notification. And then when the time comes for me to transition into the new activity, it takes even more energy for me to pull myself from the distractive activity that I've started and then pull focus into the new activity. So we lose a lot of momentum and focus in these transition periods if we're not aware of that and we don't do this with intention. All right. Um, one other one other aspect of the physical side of focus is multitasking. The multitasking myth, and it is a myth. Our brains are not able to focus on two different tasks at the same time. I know we have all been taught to believe in this myth and to believe that somehow it's admirable to multitask or even somehow effective or efficient. And it is true that we can attempt two tasks at the same time. But here's what happens when we do this. The brain is stealing focus from all tasks involved in order to be able to process the transitions back and forth between the two tasks that you're trying to do. The brain is not multitasking. It's shifting back and forth rapidly between tasks. And every time it shifts, you use up a large amount of creative energy and focus. And these are lost in those transitions. So multitasking or trying to multitask, because you can't actually do it, but trying to multitask is a huge, huge creative energy zapper and attention and focus zapper. It will kill your focus and attention. Stop trying to multitask. Multitasking is a symptom of a life that is uncertain of its purpose, uncertain of its priorities, uncertain of its goals and true wants in life. So if you find yourself wanting to multitask frequently, I would say it's time to find a coach and start working on figuring out that true life purpose, your true values in life. Start with that internal work. Because if you're trying to multitask, this is a sign that you don't know how to prioritize your time. So the last aspect of this is we can actually start to train the brain itself. There are methods that we can use similar to physically training the body to train our brains to work for us when it comes to focus and attention. And I know some of you are going to roll your eyes or laugh at this or maybe even shut the podcast off as I say it, but the research is pointing to, and I'm talking about scientific research, it's mindfulness and meditation. The brain is designed to try and keep us safe and alive. Remember that. The brain thinks that it can help us with that by making sure that we do not spend too much time focusing on one thing. Because then we may be missing out on another opportunity for survival, or we may be missing out on threats that we could be protecting ourselves from. And this has a much more powerful impact on people today than it used to. 
because we have constant stimulus of comparison, worry, and doubt. The list goes on and on and on. And because of this, we have trained our minds to see things, so many different things in our lives, as possible threats. Threats to our self-worth, which to our brain means possible death. Because threats to our self-worth may mean that we're kicked out of the group, and then therefore we might starve to death and die. You have to remember your brain is a biological organ, and it has evolved to try and help you stay alive. And if you don't use it for your intentions, it will use you for it, okay? And one of these ways in which it's going to use it is it's going to run that program in the background that I've talked about before of something is wrong, look for it, find it, and protect yourself from it. And we have trained our brains to see things like people's perception of us. Uh, this this idea of quote-unquote falling behind as a threat. And to our brain, that is no different than a Tyrannosaurus Rex chasing you or a, or a saber-toothed tiger chasing you or a tiger in nowadays chasing you. To your brain, it's the same. So your brain is going to take all of its attention and focus and laser in on that you know, hypothetical saber-toothed tiger that is chasing you that's actually just you fearing someone's perception of you or you feel it, you're, you fearing you're falling behind. We have trained our minds to focus on what so many other people are doing around us and comparing our lives to theirs and seeing that if we do not have what they have, that we're somehow missing out on something and that missing out on something is a threat. So we have literally trained our minds to be in a constant state of reminding us not to focus on one thing. Our brains go about trying to get us to not focus by bringing us thoughts about all of these things and creating discomforts in us about worry, about anxiety, stress, comparison, not good enough, not doing enough, not worthy enough, not acceptable enough, not connected enough. And we've trained our brains to constantly be trying to create distraction within us to pull our focus from what's important to us so that we can look at all these triggers that we've created inside of us. Which means that any external trigger becomes a welcomed invitation to take action in distraction. To take action that takes our focus away from traction. So once we understand what traction is, we can begin to see how our mind is using its own design and biology to create distraction within us by signaling us to constantly break focus, lose the focus. We've trained our brains to do that. So here's the thing. We can train it to do the opposite, and we do so with meditation. That's what meditation is for. I know a lot of people think that meditation is simply just for, like, some some woo-woo stuff, but it's not. It, there's actual science here. There is a way that we can, that, that meditation actually helps to train not just the spiritual side of it, but to also train the way our brain physically works and functions. But in order to do this, we've, we cannot skip the beginning steps of understanding our internal triggers and the emotional discomfort that we're trying to avoid and why that we've taught our brain to look for as being threats that will pull our focus 
onto them because our brain thinks it needs to be, no, don't focus on writing that book that you want to write. No, don't focus on reading that book that you want to read. No, don't focus on creating that project that you want to create because if you spend too much time on it, look, you're missing out. You're forgetting this over here that you need to worry about. You're forgetting this over here that's going to come and attack you. You're forgetting this over here that's going to take away from your self-worth. You're missing out on this over here. You're losing opportunity. All these threats are coming. Your brain is going to be like, no, 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 don't focus because guess what? You've trained it to do that. It's not because your brain is broken. It's not because you have some ADHD diagnosis. It's because you've literally trained your brain to do this. Your brain is trying to keep you safe. You need to see that and understand that. There's nothing wrong with your brain. Your brain is doing exactly what it was designed to do and you've taught it to do. So we cannot skip over this first step of understanding those emotional internal triggers because this, when we start to see our focus being pulled away and we look at what our brain is trying to get us to think about, we can be like, ah, uh yeah, okay, yeah, I remember... I remember when I thought that was super, super important and how like worrying about that was going to keep me safe. So that's what my brain's trying to do right now. It's trying to remind me of this over here. And instead of us slipping into that victim mode of, oh God, I have such a, a messed up brain and it's so stupid, it can't focus and blah, 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 blah. And then we slip into that and then that becomes uncomfortable and we just further want to distract ourselves from the discomfort. Instead of slipping into that, we can see, ah, oh, there's... There's my brain again reminding me of that trigger that I created. Okay, I see what's going on here. All right, brain, let's rein it back in. Let's rein it back in. We're safe. We're good. This is what meditation helps us with. Meditation helps us to bring our brain back in when we lose focus, when the mind tries to convince us that it would be more worth our time to pull focus and look at all of the ways around us that we might be in danger or might be missing out on opportunities. But if we constantly stay in that state, then we never get things done that we want to get done. So meditation helps to train the brain to work through that, to process that in a way that lets us get back to what it is that we want to focus on without expending a bunch of energy. And here's another fascinating thing that I learned. The brain will even try to... A lot of us think that um, fatigue is a result or that the tiredness in our brain is a result of focus or a lack of focus. But actually, there's some, some evidence now suggesting that it is um, a, a method or a tactic that the brain is using. That the brain is actually trying to create feelings of tired and fatigue as a way to guard itself from focusing too much on something that it believes is keeping you from looking at all of the dangers out there that you've trained it to believe it needs to protect you from or to guard itself from constantly losing new opportunities that you might be missing out on. Because you've trained it to believe that no matter what you do, there's something else out there to be doing that's better that you need to be keeping up with that you don't miss out on enjoying life or being safe in life or being successful in life or being connected in life or being good enough in life that you're not going to get thrown out of the group and die. And I know that sounds drastic, but to your brain, this is what it's thinking. So this is why we go back and we learn to master our internal triggers. We begin to understand our emotional pain. We begin to understand how we created it and how our brain is using it to create distraction, but we can actually use it to create traction. Once we have learned what is truly important to us and how we want to begin scheduling our time for tasks that are genuine traction for us. And then we learn the external triggers and how they cue our mind to remind us 
of opportunities where we we might be missing out on things that we need to protect ourselves from um, and that, that convince our brain to try and convince us to pull focus. And then we begin work on training the mind itself to develop its ability to focus. And we do this with meditation. Remember that we have trained our brains through how we use social media and television, phone calls, emails, watching the news, reading the news. We've trained our brain to be less focused. It's not that our brain is not capable of focus. It's that we have literally trained our brain that focus is dangerous. That focus means we're missing out on opportunities, we're missing out on threats that are going to possibly quote-unquote kill us. So when we try to focus, the brain is going to literally try to pull out all the stops to convince you not to do that. Because you might be putting yourself in danger of missing out on something that might harm you or attack you or reduce your worth. And when we've been doing this for so long, it becomes such a fast and rapid... It's almost like the brain can shoot off a billion thoughts all at once. And it, it almost feels impossible to navigate. And that's, that's true. The brain wants to make it feel like it's impossible to navigate, to convince you it's not worth it. Stop focusing. Look around you. Start worrying. Start pulling your focus and looking at everything else and worrying. Because to your brain, it feels like that's a better use of your time. Because you've convinced it that there's danger around you that it needs to constantly protect you from. And we've been doing this because we've taught, our, we've taught ourselves for our entire lives and people have taught us for our entire lives not to look at our emotions, not to look at what is truly important for us, not to see what is important for us, and not seeing that what is important for us is worth pursuing and that we're worth pursuing it. We have been taught to see our lives and our lives' purpose as being something external, something that other people and other, other opinions validate for us and change for us. And all of this has created the way our brain operates today, constantly trying to convince us that focus is dangerous. So we bring this back in through the, the actions of understanding, understanding our emotional pain that we're trying to avoid, understanding our emotions that we're trying to avoid, understanding our thoughts. And then we bring in the tool, the practice of meditation to give us that space in which we can actually physically train our brain to focus. To, give, uh, to use it for its ability of attention. Because right now your brain is convincing you that your attention needs to be widespread and worrying all the time, all out there, which is why you can't seem to bring it in and get it to focus with that sort of laser-like focus on the one thing that you want to do. You see, the thing is, we don't meditate. A lot of people think that we meditate to practice being good at meditation, but actually we meditate to train our brains to perform better in life, to perform with more intention, attention, and focus, and to also recognize that space between our being and the brain, and how the brain is a tool that we get to use, but we've been letting it use us. Meditation strengthens our ability to recognize that and strengthens our brain, just like when we exercise to strengthen our body. And so that's what I want you to get today. Meditation is one of those tools that we can use. So this has been a lot of information today, guys. What, what is it that I want you all to take from this? First of all, focus is not the end goal. Focus is only helpful once we've started creating traction in our lives, when we understand traction. And we can't understand traction until we understand our purpose in life, our true values and wants. And then when we start to master our internal emotional pain triggers, 
understanding those and healing those, we can start creating traction in our life. And once we start scheduling time for traction in our life, then we get to bring in focus as a tool to help us with that traction. But we don't begin with focus. We begin with purpose, understanding the emotional triggers, the actions that we're using to create distraction in our life and why that goes back to the emotional triggers. And then we begin creating time for traction. And then we start using exercises. We start using the the, the physical tools of focus. And this is things like the sleep and the nutrition and the timing and the planning. And then the meditation, the things, the, the exercise that we can do. And there are several different te- techniques of um, of meditation that we can use. So we can do things like breath work or body scanning, which helps our brain to be able to focus on one thing with intention at a time. So doing things like a body scan, meaning we start with one part of the body and we scan it for feeling with our eyes closed. And we, we tell our brain to focus on that one body part. And we slowly move through the body and we move our awareness through those parts of the body like it's a spotlight. And breath work, it's the same. We're focusing on the sensations of breath. We're teaching our brain to have that spotlight-like focus on one particular thing for a period of time. And then the next thing we can do is more like teaching our brain to have its other function of, of being like a floodlight. So this is doing things like visualiz- visualization of thoughts. So um, one exercise that I give a lot of my clients is to visualize sitting beside a river. And the river is your thoughts. It's your thoughts flowing and you're standing there on the riverbank and you're able to be the observer of all of these thoughts going on at once and just watch them flow by. You're not in the stream. You're not grabbing onto the thoughts and swimming with them. You're just standing there watching it and allowing all of it to just sort of pass through your awareness and be there and come and go. And this is what we call like the the floodlight. So it's we're broadening our ability, but we're also not getting attached to things. We're still able to focus and we're still able to maintain attention, but we're noticing. We're noticing without getting attached. And then there's the, the executive higher functions. And this would be things like gratitude uh, meditations that, that help with the executive higher functions of being able to be aware of things. It's sort of like getting the floodlight and the spotlight to work together to create one particular outcome. Okay, so these are ways that we can use meditation as, as a way to train our brains to be more effective with attention and focus. And I know that I said that focus is, is a tool and that it's not the, the total, it's not the end outcome or the, the most important thing. Really what we want to look at is distraction versus traction and understanding our life purpose first. And then we can start using focus as a tool. But I do want to also say that focus and attention are so crucial and important as a tool. Because it's not just about reading and writing and listening. Focus allows us to feel and to be aware of those feelings with laser-like precision. And being able to notice them, being able to truly be in them and feel them versus being all over the place and worrying and anxious and all. Of, and we don't even really know what we're feeling emotionally because the brain is pulling us in so many different directions because we're not using it. We're letting it use us. Focus allows us to connect with people. And focus allows us to be present and aware of our environment, to be able to make decisions with clarity. 
So I want to be clear here, focus is a powerful tool, so it's not that we don't want to use it. What I'm saying is, first, before we start looking at focus and attention, we need to understand traction and distraction in our lives, and what our genuine wants and purpose and mission are in life, so that we can schedule time for traction, not for focus, because we can focus on a lot of different things that are not going to pull us closer to what we truly want to create in life. So my friends, that's what I want you to get out of the message today. And I know I've kind of been all over the place here. This There was so much information to cover about focus and attention and traction and distraction. So I wanted to organize this as best I could into getting this one message out there for you. Focus is great. Let's start looking internally first. Start with the, the, the internal emotional understanding, emotional pain healing. Start with understanding our purpose. We, if we want to feel more focused, I know that the way we've been taught to look at it, it's almost like what I'm talking about here is completely unrelated. But I'm, here, I'm hoping what you took from this episode is that understanding your emotional pain is your first step to living a life without the distraction without feeling distracted, without feeling out of control of your ability to focus. And we've not been taught to look at it that way, but that's what I want you to get from today is that, yeah, sure, focus is great, but how we're going to get there is to start with first things first. Start with that internal work. Stop thinking you're going to get to a place in life where you're successful enough and feeling good enough about life where you'll get get back to these quote-unquote soft skills. These are not soft skills. They are what your life is built on. They are the very foundation of your life. They're not the soft skills. The external behavioral changes are the soft skills. Those are just temporary containers for our purpose and our essence. Those are the soft skills. And I know we've been taught to see it the opposite way. So that's what I want you to get out of today, my friends. Let's start looking at our purpose in life, start looking at our true values and wants in life so that we can start planning with traction, not distraction. We can start training our brain to focus and to know what we want it to focus on. Because here's the thing, you think you're not focused, but your brain is very focused. What it's focusing on is all of the stuff out there that you've trained it to focus on. So you can't get it to focus on the things you want it to focus on in the moment. So we can use focus. Your brain can focus, but that's not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is traction. And you're only going to be able to find traction if you know what's important for you, what your purpose is, and what your mission is in life. And my friends, I'm here to help you with that when you're ready. So that's what I have for you all today. I love you guys. I'm going to leave this here. Cut and dry. That is the end of the message. I want you all to go out there and start finding your values, your purpose, your sensitivities in life, and I'm here to help you do that, so reach out. You can find all of the ways to contact me in the show notes, my website, my Instagram, email, all of that will be in the show notes, so reach out. I'm here to help anyone who wants to move into a life of more purpose, more intention, more traction, less distraction, and using your brain to create focus in the areas where you want it to focus versus feeling like it's out of focus all the time. That's what I'm here to help you all with. So I wish you all a wonderful week full of purpose and traction. I love you all, and I'll talk to you next week. Ciao. Hey, thank you for listening in this week. 
I hope you enjoyed the content of this episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow this podcast to receive the newest episodes every week as I bring them to you here on the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. Ratings, reviews, and comments are always appreciated. These allow me to know more of what my listeners would like in the podcast and allow for more people who may be searching for a podcast just like this one to find the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. If you would like more information about me and the work that I do with my clients one-on-one, then please visit my website at www.slch.ch. Again, that is www.slch.ch. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at sethlusk underscore coaching. Again, that is sethlusk underscore coaching. And on Facebook in my free Facebook group community called A Healthy Life Connection. We would love to have you in the group, and it's only three membership questions that you have to answer to join. And again, it's entirely free. And if you need any further information or just want to say hello, feel free to send me an email directly at slusk.health at slch.ch. Again, that is slusk.health at slch.ch. Thank you again so much for listening, and I look forward to our next time together. Ciao.